Welcome everyone to the Blind Entrepreneur Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs and business professionals execute their vision by guiding them to profitability. Let's go! You are listening to episode 189, and today we have Kevin Schmidlin. Kevin is the host of Philly Who, the podcast that tells the stories of the doers, thinkers, and performers of Philadelphia. In only three months, Philly Who has garnered thousands of downloads and was featured by Philadelphia Magazine. Kevin also is the creator of Leave It, a personal lockbox that allows you to receive packages when you're not home. He is also a singer, which... I'm very curious to hear more about, uh, of the Orpheus Club of Philadelphia, and this summer was featured in the choir at St. Peter's Basilica at the Vatican. Pretty badass, man. (laughs) So you're an entrepreneur, uh, you're a Philly guy, and you're a singer. Where does the singing world even, like, how did you even get into that? I got to talk about that first. Yeah, so actually, I got into singing, I didn't sing in high school or anything, I got into it in college. Uh, when I just sort of on a whim auditioned for an acapella group and was brought on as an original member of Al Capella at Temple, uh, Temple's first co-ed acapella group, and just totally fell in love with it. I tell people that I majored in Al Capella and minored in computer science, Mm. truly, in my time at Temple. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, I also tell a lot of people that that was really my first startup because we started from the ground up. There was no group there when we got there, so we had to figure everything out on the go. Uh, and I didn't know how to read music, so I kind of joined the group, was just nice. loving, loving the vibe, and uh, over four years, learned how to uh, lead a group of people, learned how to read music, learned how to sing properly, figured out that I was a bass, didn't know that when I auditioned mm. for the group, uh, and that has kind of, in a lot of ways, carried me into most of the stuff that I do today. Very cool. Well, before we get into all of that, I have to ask one question for you, and as a Philly guy, it's always good to hear uh, some Philly-based answers, so... Uh, and we're going to start with an icebreaker. So imagine you just had the absolute best day of your life. Where yeah. are you going to eat and what are you going to order to make your day complete? Oh, yeah. Okay. So let's see. I am a mac and cheese fiend. So that is totally my guilty pleasure. So really anywhere that has amazing mac and cheese. I live in Fishtown, so I always go to uh, Cedar Point. They have a barbecue pork mac and cheese that is just you know if you're trying to be healthy which i usually try to do it's probably not a good call mm. um but if it's the perfect day man i just gotta you know cap it out perfectly with a uh, barbecue pork mac and cheese from cedar point with a nice old ipa next to it for sure there you go great answer man love it so the first real question of the podcast is tell me about a time that you felt lost or blind in business and how did you overcome those obstacles yeah, so I uh, so my product Leave It is is pre-launch. Uh, I'm going to be launching that this fall, and I had the idea for it um, around this time last year. And so I'm a software guy. Like I said, I I studied computer science at Temple um, for four years. I was a software developer at Cigna Healthcare, um, but I didn't know the first thing about actually creating a tangible product, like a consumer. It's not even hardware because you know there isn't too much. There, there's not too much electronics or computation. Um, so I didn't know the first thing about manufacturing and how you could 
have an idea and turn it into an actual thing that you could hold. Mm. Um, and for a while I was just kind of talking to friends and they didn't know either. So I almost gave up on it. And then I actually emailed the, uh, Philly startup leaders listserv, um, kind of a last ditch effort before I gave up on the idea. And, uh, somebody reached out and said, Hey, I, I know a company that uh, is a manufacturing company and they contract out design services. Um, the thing is that company was located in Clearwater, Florida. Mm. So I said, all right, this is the only lead that I have right now. Now I, I've since learned that there's other opportunities around Philadelphia to do this, but I wasn't looking in the right places. Um, however, uh, I hopped on a plane that day and flew down to Florida and met with this team and we totally vibed and I've been working with them since to get leave it off the ground. Um, and they showed me just all the different things that, that I never would have thought of, uh, when it comes to actual, you know, making stuff out of plastic and, you know, worrying about things like that, how it all fits together. Uh, and it's been really sweet. So I think That's awesome. the lesson there for me was uh, just reach out to the community because for a while I, I wasn't doing that. I was just kind of stewing on it. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's a really good story, um, especially because you had a corporate background. You are now turned entrepreneur. I'm sure you had this entrepreneurial spirit your entire life or <laughs> maybe maybe not. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that. Is this something like a renew, renewed thing uh, or is this just like this – off the cusp type of, uh, experience that you're, that you're going through? Yeah. So it was, it was always there. Like, you know, I'm only four years out of college, but the whole time, you know, I got the corporate job, which was awesome. I mean, you know, I thought that the goal in school was to graduate school and get a good high paying job. Like that was it. That was mm -hmm. what you wanted to do. And, and with Cigna, I, I crushed that goal. Like they paid me really well. It was an insanely good culture. I learned stuff there, but I just wasn't happy, man. I just wasn't feeling it. The day to day just wasn't for me. Um, I just was always, I would come home and think about different ideas for companies or apps or products or whatever it was that I was dying to work on. And I was really, really bummed out that I would have to work on it in nights and weekends when I just wasn't, you know, I didn't have the energy, you know, I, cause I, you know, you go and you work eight hours and you don't want to come home and work more on stuff. Um, so for the longest time, I was just kind of resigned to that fact that, oh, this, well, I have this job and, and that's that and it's too bad I don't get to work on these things. Uh, and then last year around this time, so it was about August or September of last year, um, I actually read 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And that, you know, kind of just taught me that these feelings that I have are totally legit. Like it's okay, it's okay to not be happy with the 9-to-5 grind, even if the job is really good. Uh, and to just kind of go for the life that you want to live. So I decided to do that. And I had had the idea for leave it like two years ago and just kind of filed it away and never really acted on it. Then read this book and kind of got into the more, more into the entrepreneurial scene and started interacting with folks who felt the same way that I did and was like, you know what? I, I want to give this a shot. Hmm. Um, so it was always there, but it's only recently that I've actually dove in head first. So now that you've, uh, I think you said it about a month or so ago, you left the, left your job. Yep. Um, what are the emotions like going through now that you are, you know, jobless, so to speak, and you yeah. have this, this, uh, this urge to solve a, a large problem? Yeah. So the emotions are everywhere. I don't think I've ever felt so many emotions. <laughs> you know, one day it's, this is only the day beginning, my friend. This is oh, only I'm the sure. beginning. <laughs> The highs are highest and the lows are lowest. So, I mean, it's, it's been that, like I wake up and I'm just so pumped to get moving on these things between leave it and the podcast, which I've also fallen in love with doing. Um, 
And so I'm so excited and I feel empowered one minute. Then the next I'm like, what am I doing? Like, what have I done? I've thrown away this security. Um, you know, I'm just like, I'm now, yeah, I'm jobless. I'm a statistic that says the economy is doing badly, <laughs> which is like generally not fun to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and there's an expiration date, right? Like leave it in the podcast are both pre-revenue. So I'm sitting on a bed of savings and there's a date where that, that's uh, that, you know, that's gone. That's going to run out and it could even be sooner if I'm not careful with my spending and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like I said, the emotions are everywhere and already I've been surprised by how extreme they've been because the, the life before was great. Like the corporate life was awesome, but it's just much more steady. You know, it's just kind of day in, day out, um, kind of, you know, you're content. But now I'm like, you know, like I said, one day is I'm over the moon, happy and pumped. And then the next day, like maybe something bad happens with the podcast and I'm just like, oh my God, what have I done? This is the worst mm. thing ever. So it's, it's <laughs> everywhere. And I'm sure it's only going to continue forever (laughs) well Alyssa I'm not going to sugarcoat it It definitely will so um, when it comes to the aspect of your business um, that you're you're growing and you did something a little bit unconventional where you left your corporate job you left a high-paying job um, what has been the reaction been towards you doing this whether it comes from your family your friends etc yeah so that has been probably the most surprising part for me. So I always thought that society, quote unquote, was pressuring me to enter the nine to five world and to enter the corporate world and to get something stable and safe. So I thought that everybody would would try to convince me not to take the entrepreneurial path. Mm-hmm. To my surprise, every single person I've told has said the first thing that they've said is congratulations, hmm. which surprised me because... I'm like, what do you mean congratulations? You're congratulating me on literally throwing away what other people would would kill for. I mean, let's be real. I'm a privileged dude. Like the fact that I had that high paying job and the fact that, you know, I know how to write software. And for a lot of other reasons, I have a lot of advantages and I'm tossing it away. Why are you congratulating me? And what I've sort of come to realize is that a lot of people feel the same way. A lot of people want to take more risks in their life and are just really, really afraid to do so. So yes, a lot of them probably have responsibility or maybe not as much opportunity as I have, but I think that a lot of people are sort of sitting on risks that they'd love to take, but are just sort of afraid to do it. So when they see somebody who does, the first thing that they say is congratulations that Mm. you've made this decision for yourself, that you've bet on yourself, that you've taken a risk. And so it's been nothing but support from everyone I know. So that's when I learned that it wasn't society that was keeping me from doing this. It was really just fear and society was my excuse, you know, to tell myself that it's okay to not take the risk. But I was just afraid. And that's really interesting. I'll be perfectly honest in saying that the overwhelming support that you're getting is very rare. Okay. Um, And and it's (laughs) at least it's something that and I'll just maybe speak from my experience at all. Yeah. Uh, I know that I had the complete opposite, uh, which was with what you've what you've gone through so far so yeah so uh, i mean what, hold people, on to that support system man it's 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 strong that's awesome did people just say don't do it or or they were like why are you doing this? it's just more i mean i'll just speak for myself um in my experience they just didn't get it yeah you know it's like yeah. you know i want to do this thing i want to solve this problem i have a solution to what's yeah. happening in the design world and people are just like i don't I don't understand why you would do that. You know, I had a good job as yeah. well. I had a very similar background to, to you. 
Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, they just didn't get it. So it's, it's good that you have that support system. And I hope that, you know, they, as, as the highs are highs, as you mentioned, and the lows are lows, they continue to support you. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's incredibly important to have that support system. Uh, so kudos yeah. to you to, to doing that. Do you, do you think that you just, um, you know, I think one of the things that, uh, entrepreneurship gets very, very confused, uh, and probably don't focus on this in particular is the problem that they're solving. Right. Do you feel as if that your problem that you're the, the solution that you've come up with, is that a, do you think that's something that's going to like that you're passionate about to the point where you just want to see it through all the way? Uh, Can I, you, I'll, I lost I'll, you for a second. It, yeah. repeat I'll repeat it. it Cause I saw the, yeah. I saw the cut. Um, so okay. entrepreneurship, if you're solving a large enough problem, you're going to be passionate about it every single yeah. second of the day. Is yeah. this problem that you're solving something that you feel that strongly about? Oh my God. Yes. And, and the yeah. reason is why? So <clears throat> now this is a very first world problem, but sure. <clears throat> we all have Amazon prime. We all have blue apron, these delivery services, just stuff getting dropped off at our door every day. And that's compounded. If you're like me and you live in a row home in Philly and you have a bunch of roommates who are also getting stuff delivered. So this, our house is a, is a revolving door of packages. Uh, if one of us isn't here, all of those packages get turned away and sent back to somewhere, whether it's the post office return to sender or they hide it under the mat, which is pl in plain sight, or they just leave it on the stoop and it gets stolen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we live in this era with all this convenience of home delivery when that last, it's not even the last mile, like the last foot is, is really impossible in this urban atmosphere. Uh, and what gets, what gets me going is that a lot of the solutions that are out there are unnecessarily technological. So you've got things that are like attaching to Bluetooth. It's got an app, it's got Wi-Fi. fine. Yeah. Those things could be fun. Uh, but it's not necessary. You got the biggest player. Amazon solution to this problem is letting strangers into your house. <laughs> and in order to do that, you have to install their lock and their camera, which costs hundreds of dollars, which usually also means that you have to own the place that you're living in. So for, you know, the folks that are living in Philadelphia that are like me, who are usually renters and, and are living with a bunch of roommates and don't have the ability to pay for or install a system like that, nor do they want to let strangers into their house. There's really nothing that you can do. There's some other products on the market that solve this, but again, they're unnecessarily technological, unnecessarily expensive, and just cumbersome. Mm. So for me, I just, every single time I come home and I see the sorry we missed you sticker on my door, I'm thinking all we needed was a freaking box to sit there and hold the package for four hours until I get home from work. That's it. And so I said, all, that's literally it. We don't need to have something that costs a lot of money, that you know connects to the internet, stuff like that. So I said, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to make a box that has a lock code on it and, you know, you can secure it to your stoop, or your porch or whatever. And it just sits there and holds your package for you. And so when I had this idea, I bought like a garden box online um, and just stuck it in front of the house to see if it would work. And I didn't even have to tell the delivery drivers anything. The first day I came home, I opened it up and there were seven packages inside. It was like Christmas morning. It was insane. Mm. Uh, and all those packages we would have had to, they either would have been sent back or we would have had to find time to go to the post office when we're at work anyway. And at that point, why not just go to the store for this item? Because you're shipping it, yeah. like socks and protein powder and stuff like that. So 
so yeah, I, <laughs> I really, really get into this. I think it's a, an easy, you know, it's an easy solution. Um, and the whole reason that I'm doing this is because I want this product, man. I'm telling you, like, and I think that a lot of other people will too. That's awesome, man. And um, when do you have this? The uh, the the is there an official launch date to all of this? Um, would love to just be able to follow up and tell everybody to to you know, partake and, and sign up whenever yeah. the the possibilities are. Yeah. So so right now we don't have a, a date for sure. The my plan is that I'm going to uh, crowdfund the first batch. So. Uh, I've been in design on this for the better part of eight months going back and forth with my designers and, and the factory. And I've got something now that I'm really, really pumped about uh, and that I, I really think is almost ready to go. There's a couple things that we have to tweak quickly. Um, but essentially, we're there. So my aim is to uh, crowdfund uh, this fall. So within a few weeks, I'll be starting to get you know the press going for the crowdfunding campaign. Uh, and to essentially sell pre-orders and the pre-orders will fund the first batch uh, and then it'll be ready to go. So no date yet, but if anybody goes to leave.it, it's L-E-A-V dot I-T, you can join the mailing list and you'll get special uh, contribution perks when the crowdfunding does launch and you'll be notified when it launches. Very cool. Um, just out of curiosity, and I'm, I hate to be a negative person. Not at all. Hypothetically speaking, let's just say the crowdfunding doesn't work. Yeah. Do you have a game plan? So it depends on why it doesn't work. If it doesn't work because people don't want to buy the product, then that's great because that means that's a key piece of feedback that that I am missing right now uh, and can learn from and uh, tweak the product or even maybe even abandon the product if I'm the only one this way about it. I don't think that's the case, but it could be. So if it fails because of that, then that's a big learning point. If it fails because I wasn't able to get the word out, then I'm just going to have to take a hard look at my own marketing abilities, maybe find out if I can, you know, find a partner or somehow just get help there. Uh, and then if it's just falling short of the goal, then it's probably a going to be one of those two things. Either there's something wrong with the product or there's something wrong with my marketing, solve that problem and then probably be able to get the rest of the way through like uh, venture capital or something like that, or maybe another campaign. I don't know, but if it fails, that's just a, a lesson that needs to be learned, and uh, I'll I'll find out what the lesson is, and then go from there. Good stuff. Great answer. Uh, I don't think it will. You seem like a, <laughs> a a smart a smart guy, um, but it's good that you've thought about it. It's and and I think that's the key thing here. And the reason why we're having this conversation in the first place is because the reason why we're having this conversation is because people are in a very similar situation like you. And yeah. they don't, they may be fearful, but you went ahead and you took that leap of faith. And I'm hopeful that the people that are listening right now are able to apply what you, the learnings that you have thus far in such a short period of time and apply that to whatever idea that they want to, uh, or whatever solution that try, they're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin, so before, uh, before we head on to the next session of the, of the podcast, I'd like to shake the conversation up just a little bit. Okay. So before, uh, last night, I asked you a little bit more about your Instagram channel, and uh, I did some research, and I found a couple of pictures that uh, need some further explaining to do. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, But before we do, I have to ask everybody that's watching and listening, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Head over to tbeshow.com, and if you're watching on YouTube, smash that subscribe button for more updates. So the first picture... It's a picture of, I, be, I believe, your dog. I, see, this yeah. looks Photoshopped to me. So the, to the people listening, it's a, uh, 
your dog, I'm assuming, right? Your dog? Yep. Yeah. Um, on the Game of Thrones throne. And yeah. it looks badass. Like, it looks cool. <laughs> so was this Photoshopped or was this taken, like, legit? Yeah, so it's a funny, that's a, that's a funny story. Um, that photo was taken. So my last job at, at Cigna, um, my whole team was out in Portland, Oregon. So I got to visit them a lot and work with them, which was awesome. Portland, Oregon is so great. Everyone go visit. It's such an awesome, awesome town. So I was out in Portland, and um, my dog, Dublin, was staying with my parents um, while I was away. And my sisters, who were, I guess, they're, they're both in college, so they were home at the time. It must have been over a winter break or something. Just sent me a picture of Dublin on my dad's big recliner. He's got one of those like classic dad, like get home from work, recline, and watch the baseball game recliners. And so she was sitting on it, um, and I just kind of like glanced. I think I was at work, and I glanced at it, and I said, "Oh my God, that looks like the Iron Throne." Mm. And not two minutes later, my sister Colleen sends me that picture, <laughs> a perfectly <laughs> photoshopped picture of Dublin on the Iron Throne, and it has been my phone background ever since. It's been like a year or two now, but it's that's just awesome. so funny. That's cool. That's it's 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 a cute photo, man. So definitely yeah. check it out. It's uh, the Fel- Phil- uh, excuse me, the Philly Kev. Uh, at the Instagram channel. This one in particular, we've talked about this this entire trip, or this entire uh, podcast, but uh, it's a cake. And it's, you know, you um, leaving your job at Cigna, and it says, tomorrow I take the leap of faith into full-time entrepreneurship. Infinite gratitude to my Cigna family for four years of success, growth, and friendship. I mean, that is pretty badass that they gave you a cake. Yeah. Um... And you already mentioned that it was like an overwhelming like majority of people that have congratulated you on this. It seems like you have the support uh, even yeah. from your people. What was it like when you went up to your boss and said, like, I'm not doing this anymore? So that was the moment that I had dreaded forever because – so I talked – his name is Cameron O. He is – he was my grand boss essentially. So he was my boss's boss. He was in town from Portland and um, we had essentially – you know, back when I started on the team, I was one of the only people on that team who weren't in Portland. Since then, we've built a team here in Philadelphia. Hmm. So, and the team was kind of built around me because I was the first, you know, member of this team. And now, you know, I was sort of hiring folks and, and building a team around me. So it was right after this team was built that I had to, that it was time for me to go. So I walked up to Cam and, and I told him, you know, that this, that it was time. And there was a brief moment where he kind of, you know, his shoulders kind of fell and, and he looked disappointed. And then it, it was just a microsecond until he smiled and said, congratulations, that's amazing. What are you doing? So, uh, you know, he was, he's just probably the best leader that I've ever interacted with. And he showed it in that moment. Um, and then, and so that was just amazing. Like I, he could have been mad at me because, you know, we just got this team going. He picked uh, expanding to Philadelphia essentially because I yelled at him for a year about how great Philly is. Hmm. And then it, the, the time came to talk to my team that I had just really started working with um, about about this. And that was really, really hard because I do miss them. Like the team was great. The people were so awesome. And I do miss seeing them day to day. Um and so they were, they were sad. We were all sad. And then my last day I came in and they had gotten me that cake that said good luck on it. And the coolest part about that uh, and the, the nice little tidbit that really shows that they believe in what I'm doing is that that cake is from Cake Life Bake Shop in Fishtown. And they got that the week after I had interviewed Becca Craig on the podcast. And Becca is the head baker at Cake Life. Hmm. 
So they were so supportive that they went into like they went into my venture. They actually listened to my podcast and said, let's get him a cake from this guest. Uh, and it was freaking delicious. And, you know, that was I generally don't cry ever. <laughs> mm. But when I walked into the room and they surprised me with that cake, I, I teared up a little bit because that was just a really, really thoughtful gesture. That's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, the fact that they went ahead above and beyond. Anybody that listens to a podcast, especially something that you're like so passionate about. Uh, that's a cool thing. So good for you, man. I'm really, really, really proud and, and happy for you <laughs> that you, know, you have this overwhelming support. Um, this last picture that I have right here is yeah. just a picture. Uh, I'm not entirely sure who the person is that you're with, but um, it's uh, you're at the Basilica, uh, the Vatican. And so I just have to hear. I've personally been there as well. It is like a yeah. beautiful, it's like, it's epic. It's not even like, you can't even put it into words. It's just an epic place. So what was it like being able to sing and, yeah. and perform in front of, I don't even know how many people, but within this, this massive epic place? Yeah, so that was unreal. So the person next to me is my sister Colleen, the one who photoshopped oh, Dublin cool. onto, the, onto the Iron Throne. And I wish that my sister Kelly could have joined us. She's uh, busy getting ready to make our life move out to Colorado, which is going to be awesome. But nice. uh, yeah, so the Orpheus Club had the, got the opportunity to go on a tour to Italy this summer. And so this July, uh, about 10 singing members of the 80 singing members traveled over to Italy. I joined, they did a bunch of cities, but I joined for Rome only. Uh, and Colleen came with me as well. Smart choice. So, yeah, yeah. So Colleen and I, uh, we started out in Paris because we found a really cheap flight to Paris. So we did Paris for a couple of days. And then on a Saturday morning, which was Bastille Day, so everyone in Paris was giving us crap for leaving that day. <laughs> but uh, we flew to Rome and landed and essentially went straight to the Vatican. Now, I had never been there before. And truly, I didn't understand the gravity of performing in St. Peter's Basilica until I got there. And we walked in and we got a full walking tour of the Basilica and it's so ornate and there's just, you know, mosaics and statues everywhere. And you can see, you know, like mummified uh, popes from hundreds of years ago and things like that. It's just insane. So, and we uh, we sang at a mass. So they held a mass at 5 p.m. and uh, we served as the choir. And it just my heart was pounding the whole entire time. I was worried that I was going to fall asleep during the mass because, you know, I had gotten up at 4 a.m. to leave Paris to get there. But it was just pure adrenaline, just looking around the history and just the size of this place and the amount of art and, and blood and sweat and tears that went into building it up. Uh, it was incredible. And the acoustics were insane. So for me, just to have been able to sing those songs there for an actual mass while folks, you know, were worshiping uh, was something that I never thought that I would able, be able to do. That was the first time I ever sang in a church choir <laughs> was at that church. <laughs> so I kind of like stumbled into the opportunity and it's something that I'm definitely going to remember for my entire life. That's awesome. That is really cool. There's a, uh, I have to share a quick story yeah, about sure. the Vatican. I had this uh, teacher in college and he was like a very rogue type of character. He always uh, had facts, alternate facts that nobody really understood. Yeah. And even though he said these weird facts, you knew he was legit. You knew that these were real facts. So he went in front of a large group of, uh, he went in, front in front of our, our class and he said, did you know that the Vatican used to be a brothel? And... He said it's not in many history books. There are books about it. 
but there are clear signs and there are clear um, history uh, and, and, and just you know, the longevity of, of it existing, that there are facts that there was <laughs> that the, the Vatican was once a brothel. Which I always, wow. not to taint that picture in your head now that you weren't there, but I always <laughs> found that so interesting. So if you are curious about like the history and the people listening and watching are curious, definitely look into it. It is a very interesting theory. Um, who knows if it's true, but yeah. it's really, really interesting to think that that holy place, right? Yeah. That amazingly epic place that you sang at, at one point, could parts of it could have been a brothel. <laughs> It just goes to show, man, you never know the history of something. You never know where something comes from <laughs> or where it's going to go, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So my, my uh, second to last question is something that I ask every single guest. And I kind of am just going to throw you directly on the spot, especially because you're in this venture, this journey, et cetera. So I'm very curious to hear your answer. But what is your dream? Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah. Um. I always tell people that when they say, what do you want to do? Or, or, you know, I guess, you know, what's your goal or whatever. My goal, my dream is to almost never know what time it is or what day it is. Hmm. Because I found that no matter what I'm doing, whether it's creating my own music or working on the podcast or, you know, in meetings for Leave It, when I'm truly, truly passionate and involved in something, I, I couldn't tell you what time it is or even what day it is. You know, you know those moments when you're like, mm. oh, well, today is it's Tuesday. Oh, no. Oh, God, it's Saturday. No, it's Thursday. OK. Or like, you know, when you're just really in flow and you're involved in something and you're at p.m. It could be 10 p.m. I don't really know. That's when I truly, truly feel like I'm living life. So sometimes it's on vacation. Sometimes it's hard at work. But either way, it means I'm truly present and in the moment. So. Mm. My dream is to just maximize that amount of time that I'm not staring at the clock. I'm not worried about the fact that it's Monday. Oh, uh, you know, I'm not worried about this, not worried about that. And I'm just kind of in there in the moment and, and, and living. So it's super, it's a super cliche cop out answer, but honestly, I don't care what I'm doing as long as I'm involved in it that much. I don't think that's a cliche answer at all. I think that's very unique. Um, and I absolutely 100, 100% respect that. Um, my final question to you, because we're, we're approaching 30 minutes here, and we want to make sure that we're providing as much value as we possibly can. <laughs> um, the Blind Entrepreneur Podcast is defined as a person who may be temporarily lost or blind in business and cannot see the obvious. Maybe that person, uh, maybe that person that you once were when you, before you quit your job, but to the individuals that are stuck, what are three pieces of advice that you would give to a fellow entrepreneur? So number one, I would say, trust yourself, uh, and, and don't worry so much about what other people think or what you think other people might think. That's a big one. Cause a lot of times you're worried about other people's thoughts and they don't even feel that way. And most of the time they don't even care. So it's not worth worrying about. Uh, so, so trust yourself. Um, let me, let me think I only got two left cause I could probably give you about 400. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would say no Parkinson's law, and this is more tactical. So any given task will take the allotted amount of time to complete. It will grow in complexity until it fills the amount of time. So I say that a lot about the 40 hour work week, and this is totally ripped from Tim Ferriss's stuff. Uh, 
If you give something 40 hours, it will take 40 hours. If you give it an hour, you'll probably get it done just as well in an hour. So for me, you know, I, I kind of remember, I kind of try to remember that. Um, so that, you know, like one task doesn't take me three days because I arbitrarily said it'll take three days. That's more tactical. Uh, and then number three, I think so far for me anyway, embrace the roller coaster. You know, it's, you're going to have really, you're going to have low lows and they're going to, they're going to be a lot of G forces when you get down there. But when you get to the top, man, oh, and you can see everything and, and you're, you know, going 60 miles an hour, that is fun. So, you know, it's the difference between the merry-go-round where you're just kind of up and down. You're like, okay, yeah, this is cool. I know exactly what this ride is going to be like the whole time. Uh, and the roller coaster where you're just up, down, side to side, going in circles. I love roller coasters. That's much more my speed. Uh, so embrace it. And when you're feeling low, just think about the fact that, you know, one of those peaks, they're coming. It's right around the corner. Very cool. Kevin, thank you so much for your time this morning to talk about your experiences in business, man. It uh, truly means a lot. Uh, I'd like to give the next 30 seconds to promote whatever it is you got going on. How can people learn more about you, be a part of your journey, and potentially partake in the crowdfunding of uh, Lee Yeah. Yeah, so you can head, if you are just as passionate about as I am about this problem, you can head to leave.it, that's L-E-A-V dot I-T, uh, and join the mailing list, and you'll get notifications and uh, special perks for crowdfunding. That's going to happen within the next couple months. Uh, and for me, you can uh, check out my podcast, Philly Who, uh, telling the stories of Philadelphia's doers, thinkers, and performers. Whether or not you're from Philadelphia, you've been to Philadelphia, maybe you've never even heard of Philadelphia, but uh, we got a lot, a lot of great stories, and I guarantee you that if you tune in, you're going to learn something new. Very cool. Well, to those that are still watching and listening, thank you guys for always liking, commenting, and subscribing. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and head over to tbeshow.com for more interviews just like this one. Go out there and execute your vision, everybody. Have a good rest of your day.